This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Praise God. Father, we love you today, and we're so grateful that we can come. And Father, behold wonderful things from your holy word. Father, I thank you for every heart, every life that's represented here today. Because, Father God, there's a desire. There is a yearning within them, Father, to know you more. And so, Father, I thank you today, Father, that you'll make your will known to them, that your presence, Father, will abide not only in them but upon them, and that your grace will sustain them and move them forward in the plan that you have for them. And, Father, we thank you for your blessing today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to... um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and then also, um, if you'd like, you're welcome to also find the opening in Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Exodus chapter 12, praise God. As most of you know, uh, this morning, the first Sunday of the month, we were doing our communion service. And um, so I felt that it was appropriate uh, to take this up and talk with you a little bit about uh, the communion service and what it represents, and then also to tie it into what it is that uh, I've had within my heart. And uh, I'll just be honest with you, you know, over the past several months, um, I've just really felt like... um, the urgency to exhort and, and really to admonish the church to believe. Yeah. Now, um, what I mean by that is, is there's a lot of people that say they believe, but at the uh, expense of embarrassment, uh, sometimes what they say and what they do betray what it is that they say. Believing is a choice first and foremost, but it's also an act. And what I mean by that is, is that if we believe, uh, then of course there's a response or an action where our lives are concerned. So in other words, I guess what I'm saying is, is that our lives should reflect that. And we're living in a day and an age where, as the Bible describes it, as being troublous times or perilous times. And of course, the reason being is because of the sin of men. You want to know why everything that you see going on in the world today is happening? It's because of sin. Okay, it may manifest itself in many various different kinds of ways. Greed, you know, uh, selfishness, all of the things that are uh, manifested in people's lives. Well, Jesus, he gave us a commandment that we're to love one another as he loved us. Praise God. And, you know, the thing you have to understand is, is that just because the love of many grows cold, it doesn't mean that yours has to. Thank you for that one, uh, you know, vigorous amen. You know, I, I, I get it. I understand it. But I tell you this much. Jesus said they will know us by our love. Are you with me? There ought to be a distinction between us and them. Are you with me? And so that takes some pretty intentional, deliberate kind of living. 
And, and I wanna encourage you in that because here's the other thing about this and you need to understand, I'm speaking to you as a pastor. You know that the Bible says that in the last days, not only will perilous times come, but many will depart from the faith. And it describes how that will happen by people giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now we don't think of it that way, you know, most often. But anything that causes a cooling within your spiritual life, in other words, there isn't a, uh, a real fire or passion that's moving you toward the kingdom of God is something that you want to be careful of. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, the, 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 the comment that comes most frequently to, to my thinking is, is that people will say, well, you, you know, you don't have to be going to church all the time to be a good Christian. Now, at face value, you can listen to that, and it sounds plausible, I guess you might say. But you know, there's an undercurrent or an underlying development that takes place when we adopt that. Now, here's the reason why. The Bible says that in these last days, we're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. So the writer of the book of Hebrews seems to imply that there's going to be a, call it a temptation or tendency for people to become much more casual about their engagement or their involvement within the local church and what it is that they're doing for the kingdom of God. Does that make sense to you? And so I'm just telling you that it's important for you to be careful about what it is that you accept when it comes to the things that people will be telling you because I'm telling you people are saying all kinds of things today. You know, and we could go through a whole litany of different things. You know, for example, uh, when it comes to the morality of the church, how many of you know that God wants the church to live morally, right, and just? And I understand the need for acceptance where people's lives are concerned when they're in sin and when they're having difficulty or, or trouble or things of that nature. But what's very dangerous within the context of the local church is that we end up condoning behaviors that are displeasing to God. Do, do you understand the distinction? It isn't that we're against anyone, but if we come into the sheepfold you know, of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, there should be a movement towards repair, reconciliation, restoration, and wholeness in the person's life to move them away from whatever it is that the Bible describes as being sin or immoral. Are you with me? So, you know, for example, I'll go a little bit further with this. I mean, I'm, I'm not getting where I want to go, but I'm going to talk to you. Hallelujah. You know, the, there are many voices that will talk about tolerance, that you're intolerant. And then you'll be labeled as a bigot or whatever, you know, they may describe you as being or even racist for that matter. But, you know, uh, while we can understand the context of tolerance, you know, where people are, are needing things in their lives. But what's dangerous about it is that 
we are to not only be tolerant, but we are to accept the misbehavior as being okay. And the truth of the matter is, when you judge it righteously from the word of God, we come to understand that this is the standard, and according to it, it's not right. You understand? So it isn't that we're being unlovely. And, I, and I'll say this to you, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that if we really genuinely love with a biblical kind of love, then we're going to tell people the truth. Are you with me? And so, these are the kinds of things in these last days that I just, I feel so, um, it's like I can't get away from it. You know, I, I'm thinking in my mind, you know, as a, as a pastor and human being, I'm thinking, okay, God, okay, we need to move on. You know, let's, let's, let's talk about something else. But, but I keep coming back to this thing about the necessity to believe what it is that God has said. And with the barrage of, of negative things that are going on within the world today, it's, 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 it's stifling. It, it is such an encumbrance uh, upon people and upon the church, and, and we all feel the weight of that. Don't you all feel the weight of it? And so, so I feel this need to push and push and push and push with regard to the promises of God and what it is that he has said, because after all, Jesus knew that 2020 was coming. Huh? But even though 2020 has came and thank God has almost went, it has not changed one thing with regard to his relationship toward you. And he wants you to believe. If there's anything that I can share with you this morning, it is to urge you, to exhort you, to admonish you. Don't cast away your confidence because it has an incredible recompense of reward. You and I have to endure. Hallelujah. Isn't that what the Bible says? You know? So that in this patience or this endurance, you and I, after we have done the will of God, might receive the promise. Hallelujah. I like that, don't you? So, you know, again, even in the midst of all it is that you and I are dealing with and facing and so on and so forth, I tell you what, praise God, there's hope in him. And he can bring it to pass. So I encourage you. Man, you guys are a long ways over there. And so this, you know, spacing. Praise God. So uh, that is the... <clears throat> appetizer okay let's let's get to uh salad okay you ready for salad first corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 notice what it says here the very last part of that well we'll read the whole verse it says purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as ye are unleavened for even christ our passover everybody say my passover, my passover. is sacrificed for us. It's an interesting, we don't have time to get into the context of this, but the Apostle Paul was actually addressing immorality within the church, where evidently a stepson, that's the best that I can uh, surmise from it, had taken the wife of his father and was living with her immorally. And he basically said, this is not good. 
and it's within the context of the church. You know, again, you know, God loves the sinner, but he hates sin. Are you with me? And so he was talking to them and dealing with them about, you know, in the Old Testament, leaven is a type of sin, okay? So in that context then, let's read this one more time. It says, purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Aren't you thankful this morning for what it is Jesus did for you? You know, you and I have been given access into this heavenly kingdom. And not only that, but his very indwelling presence has come to make its residency within our hearts and within our lives. We are of all people most blessed because we know him. Doesn't mean that life is perfect, but thank God, praise God, we can look to him, we can draw from him, and we can receive from him. But in this verse of scripture, you'll notice that Christ became a Passover sacrifice for us. Today, again, I mentioned you, we're, we're going to be receiving communion as a body of believers. And, you know, communion, I, I want to address that as, as specifically as possible, but it is a beautiful expression of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it serves as a reminder, as a memorial to the defining moment when Jesus said, it is finished. In other words, the fulfillment of all of God's righteous requirements were made up and done within what Jesus did, and he died for you and me. And when he became our Passover lamb. Now I wanna share a little bit more with you about this because uh, <clears throat> we do have some uh, younger, our, our teens and different ones that are in uh, the service today and I thought an explanation of this would be helpful. You know, like what did the Apostle Paul mean when he said Passover lamb? And in order to understand that a little bit, you have to go back to the Old Testament, which we'll do in a more, uh, moment. But the simple answer is because of the blood of Jesus that was offered on the cross at Calvary for the penalties of sin and death has caused God to pass over you and I with what it is that we once had within our lives. Does that make sense to you? So, <clears throat> you know, with this, with this act of deliverance, there is an expression of ongoing faith that God expects for our lives to carry out, and not only that, but to be obedient. You know, it's one thing to get saved, it's another thing to live for Him. Huh? And so it's important that we do that. Let me share uh, a little bit of a synopsis here with you before we get to, uh, uh, matter of fact, if you'd like, you can turn to uh, um, Exodus chapter 12 now. But let me, let me give you a little bit of a synopsis here to kind of walk you through this whole thing about Passover and, and how it came about. First of all, we got to go back to Charlton Heston in the show, you know, uh, uh, where he's out in the middle of nowhere and this bush is on fire. The burning bush event. I must turn aside and see this great sight. Huh? Well, God spoke to Moses out of that burning bush in a supernatural kind of way, and he said, I'm going to make a deliverer out of you. And he said, I don't much want to be a deliverer. Huh? How many of you have ever felt like that? God says, hey, I want you to do something for me. Uh, I'm not really interested. 
I was just talking to my good friend Monty last night. We uh, we flew over. They they celebrated or they're celebrating their 40 year anniversary of the church uh, there in Mount Pleasant. Praise God. And Monty and Peggy have been pastoring that church for 32 years. Hallelujah. What a legacy. I mean, you know, it's just so wonderful. And anyway, I, I was talking to him. We had a, a moment uh, there, you know, during the banquet and before this concert that they had. And, and I said, so how'd that come about? You know, how'd that, how'd that happen anyway, Monty? He says, well, I was 29 years old and I was pastoring in the town that I grew up in and I hated it. You know, he went back to Mount Pleasant, he went back to Harlan. That's where Monty was originally born, raised. And, and uh, Peggy, his wife, was pastoring the church. They weren't married. You know, I mean, they knew each other, but I think more casually than anything else. And God sent him back there and he didn't want to go. So he was 29 years old. The, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, are you willing to stay here for the rest of your life? He said, no. I don't want to stay here. You know, I'm going to go out and do great things or whatever. You know, I don't know what his thinking was. He said, so that whole year of his life, you know, God's dealing with him, and he finally came to the place to where within his heart he could say, God, if you want, here to, you want me to stay here the rest of my life, I will do it. I'll do it. Now, here's the thing about that. As it turned out, that's not what ended up happening. But how many of you know the Bible says you have to be willing and obedient to eat the good of the land? And when he made that consecration to God, God opened up this door and started, you know, uh, moving him towards the plan that, he, that God had for him. And so um, as it turned out, well, I'm getting off on a long trail here, but as it turns out, he, uh, he had all kinds of invites from people to come and, you know, be a part of uh, his, uh, someone else's church and different things like that. And it was like, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. You know, and then uh, Gary Crowell, the founder of the church there, FCOC, had called him and said that he was going to go on the mission field and he was going to go to Haiti. And Monty says, well, great, you know, uh, um, why don't you, uh, our, our, we'd be happy to uh, help you and support you, you know, and things. He says, well, that's wonderful, but that's not why I called. He says, oh, he says, why'd you call then? He says, well, I was just wondering if you'd give some consideration to praying about becoming the pastor of FCOC. And he goes, oh, okay, that's, that's a whole different deal. See, Gary called me, and I said, no, aren't you glad? Yes, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> yeah, he called me first. I said, no, I don't think so. Maybe uh, try the guy up north, you know? And um, so uh, Monty asked for 10 days and uh, he had some things that weekend that he was going to take a week and pray about it. So on Monday morning, he's going to work, tells Peggy, I'm going to go. You know, I probably won't come home for lunch. And, you know, I'm just going to stay and pray and ask God. He said he got in the car. He's backing out of his driveway, gets down into the street. And he's got his arm like this, and he's looking back. And, and he hears it, but he really doesn't pay attention to it. And he said, he heard this, you need to go uh, to Mount Pleasant. And so he just drove down and said, by golly, I'm going to, you know, how we are sometimes. We don't always listen the first time. You know, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, or some, Samuel didn't listen the first time. He went in, asked Eli, hey, what's the deal? He said, I didn't call for you. You know, did that two or three times. Finally, Eli said, next time that, that you know, that God speaks to you, 
answer him, you know. So anyway, he, he goes and he's, you know, he's going to pray because after all, we got to pray, you know. And he prays the first day, prays the second day, prays the third day, comes to the end of the third day, you know, a little disappointed, not, not really hearing anything. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, Mike, he said, it was like it came, it, 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 it's like it rolled off on a, uh, a film, uh, 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 you know, like a camera view. And he said, I, I seen myself walk out of the house and I see myself get in my car and I see myself put it into reverse. I see myself, you know, look back and, and I was backing out and I got on, into the street and, and I heard the words, you need to go to Mount Pleasant. He said, well, God, why didn't you tell me that in first place? Because no, God never said anything after the very first thing on Monday morning when he was backing out. You know, and it gets to, come on, God, you need to speak to me here, you know. Well, he already had. He just hadn't heard it. And so that was the story. And he went over there, and, uh, and what a great thing that they have done. What a wonderful thing they have done. Amazing, amazing, amazing work uh, that they have going on there. You say, well, why do you share that? Well, you know, praise God, we need to be willing and obedient. Yes. I think that was the point, you know. And we were talking about Charlton Heston and Moses and how that when God said, I want to make a deliverer out of you, he said, actually, if you read the scriptures, he said, please send somebody else. It's really what he said. It wasn't that he wanted to be disobedient. It's just like, I, I can't do this. You know, you can do a lot of things by his strength. In and of yourself, you can't, but with him, praise God, you can are you listening to me? And he said, just, just send some, I can't speak, you know, uh, I don't know, it's, you know, he just had trouble. He says, I'll send Aaron. He can be your spokesperson. Praise God. Well, that wasn't enough. That's when he said, just, just please send somebody else. He said, nope, you're it. So with that context, then when God spoke to uh, Moses, this is an, and I'm just going to read this. They may put it up on the screen for you to be able to read. Exodus 3 and 7. The Lord said, surely I have seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. Now, bear in mind, Egypt is a type of the world, okay? And I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. Do you know that sin can be an awful, awful taskmaster? So think of it in that context. For I know their sorrows, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians or the world and to bring them up out of that land to a good land, to a large land, to a land that flows with milk and honey unto the place of all of these ites. So if you drop down in the context of this, uh, in chapter 4, verse 29... So Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel, and Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses, and did the signs in the sight of the people. Now notice this in verse 31, and the people what? Believe. They did what? Believe. And the people believed. Now why is that important? Because what you're going to discover is on the road to their future that God had planned for them, they got to places where they didn't act like they believed at all. As a matter of fact, they were mad at Moses. They were mad at God. 
they were mad at all. How many of you realize that there is a plan that God has for you, but there are some battles that you have to fight in order to get where it is that you're going? And it's not the preacher's fault. It's not the leadership of the church's fault. It's not the church's fault. It's not God's fault. It's the God of this world that twists and distorts the truth to try to keep you from where it is that God wants you to be and where he wants to take you. So in this verse of scripture, the Bible says, this is the nation of Israel, the God's people, the congregation of, of God here, and the Bible says, and the people believed. Everybody say they believed. And then it goes on to say, and when they had heard that the Lord, well, and when they had heard that the Lord visited the children of Israel, and that he <clears throat> looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads, and they worshiped. So, Moses and Aaron, they go to Pharaoh, and they say, let my people go. And guess what? Pharaoh said, <laughs> no. And he said, well, uh, you're probably going to want to do that. And you know, there were all the plagues, the 10 plagues that came upon the land of Egypt because Pharaoh had hardened his heart, all of which was part of a process that God was working through to deliver these people. But again, he, he brought hardship on them because of the word of the Lord that God had spoken to Moses. Are you with me? So it's important for you to understand, just because you're going through a test or a trial, it doesn't mean that you're not on the right road to the will of God. And certainly, you know, I mean, God is for you, but you have to, you know, stand or pass the test. Does that make sense to you? And I'm not trying to suggest, you know, that God's sadistic, you know, that, you know, what's this all this proving business you're talking about, or the testing business? Well, it's not so much something that's coming from him, as it is the God of this world to try to keep you out of the blessing of God. Does that make sense to you? Okay. And so he said, let my people go. And he said, no. Now let's go to Exodus chapter uh, 12. And let's look together here, this verse of scripture. As soon as I find it. Let's start beginning in verse 1. So the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. In other words, this is a new beginning. I said this a couple weeks ago, but I'm telling you, if you're here and you want to start all over, you want a new start, you want a new beginning, I'm telling you, God will give it to you. You know, if, if life has been hellish, if all kinds of things have been going wrong, I'm telling you what, God will help you to start all over again. Hallelujah. So he said this in this verse, this month shall be in verse two, uh, unto you the beginning of months and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying that in the 10th day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to him or his house, take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make uh, your count for the lamb. He said that your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and, sh and shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. 
and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now, for the sake of time, drop down to verse 11. He said, and thus ye shall eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Listen to me for just a moment. Let's pause. For all of the things that we see going on in the world today that are corrupt, for all of the things that we see that are so lawless, don't trouble yourself about it because there is a judge in the earth. He is the Lord, and he'll make it right. Are you listening to me? All of the deals that are being made in the back rooms that cause and breed corruption will be brought to naught. Are you listening to me? And God will see to it. You don't have to worry about your favorite Republican or Democratic politician. God will take care of it. And that's where your trust and your hope has to be. Certainly we must pray. Certainly we must believe. But at the end of the day, praise God, he is the one who will execute the judgment. Amen. Amen? So going on then in reading in our text here, and I know this is lengthy, but it's important. And the blood, verse 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not come upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Everybody say memorial. And you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord throughout your generations that you may keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Now drop down, if you would please, to verse 23. And notice it says, well, let's see, maybe uh, 21, I'm sorry, 21. And then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, draw out now and take a lamb according to your families, kill the Passover, and you'll take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood uh, that is in the basin and strike it on the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out at the door of his house until morning. For or because the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood upon the lintel and upon the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer or allow or permit the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance to thee, to your sons forever. And it shall come to pass that when, it shall, when you come into the land, which the Lord will give you according to what he has promised, that you shall keep this service. And it'll also come to pass that when your children shall say to you, what do you mean by this? You'll say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our homes and the people bowed their heads and they worshiped. Now, the reason that I go into the detail of this again is to provide a matter of explanation, but the the truth of the matter is, is that the New Testament equivalent 
of the Passover is the ordinance we call communion. You know, a new covenant, he said, I will make with the house of Israel and, and so on and so forth. And we know that, praise God, Jesus came and he became our Passover lamb. So when we participate of this uh, communion service this morning, bear in mind that it was his blood that God applied to the doorpost and the lintel of your heart so that, praise God, you and I would not be judged like the rest of the world because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? And what a blessing it is. And so, you know, as believers, we're not only called to observe this communion, but also to continue in the faith which it represents, the deliverance that we've experienced. And when you look at uh, Israel, you know, the Bible tells us that Israel is kind of like a... um, something for us, you and I, to uh, observe so that we can learn from it. All these things were done for our learning. And, you know, uh, the admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. All of this is for us. And and the reason I bring that up is, is that these people started out okay, but the vast majority of them did not end up where it is that God intended. Are you with me? And praise God, that's not going to be our witness or our testimony. Amen? Amen. Because we're going to believe God and we're going to keep observing what it is that he has told us to do. Are you with me? And so unfortunately, the outcome of most of that generation is that they never entered into the place that God had intended. And let me say this to you, everyone, this morning, because this is important. And that is simply this, that in every generation, your generation, my generation, and the ones that have gone before us, God has not left us without promise. Are you with me? I mean, we can read about what happened four or 6,000 years ago or whenever it was, but what's really more important is, is what's going on here right now. And the same God that provided this deliverance for them has de- provided deliverance for you and me. Can you say amen? Praise God. And so we find ourselves in this season of promise, you know, as we move towards the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and this promise that God made, he made to us. He made to you and I in our generation so that we could live in the hope and in the faith of what it is that God has already done and what it is that he has promised. And there's great hope. You know, living in a hopeless, seemingly hopeless world makes that difficult maybe to understand, but there's great hope for the child of God. There's great hope for you, child of God. And you have to latch on to that, not let go of it, embrace it. Are you listening to me? Praise God, in spite of everything that's going on in the world. You know, I tell my wife all the time, we see all this stuff going on. I said, honey, it is only with our eyes that we will behold and see the reward of the wicked. And I believe that with all my heart. I mean, you know, there might be a lot of fearful things that start going on, but I'm telling you this much, praise God, my heavenly Father is going to keep and sustain me and all of those that believe in him, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on, no matter what, you know, the world is tearing itself apart in, God will keep you if you'll believe him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're in this season of promise, you know, the first Noel, the first Christmas, you know, that's what 
The word Noel is French, I think, for Christmas. The angels did say, I think, you know, certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. The angels said that. Amen. And they came and they brought good news. Hallelujah. So when we think about that and we think about everything that, that's going on, you know, I, I mentioned this, that the Bible is filled with incredible promises. Here's the thing about a promise. You know, a promise solicits hope. When somebody tells you something, you know, I mean, you know, and they, they tell you that they're going to do something good for you, don't, don't you get excited? I mean, if you don't, somebody needs to get a needle, see if you're still alive. You know, poke them. That's what I meant by that. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, um, it's kind of like, you know, when somebody that you're endeared to and you love and whatever, you know, they say we're going to come and visit you. You know, when they hit the door, you just, you're excited. You say, man, we were expecting you. Praise God. Our son and daughter, uh, daughter-in-law came from Hobbs, New Mexico for, for Thanksgiving. And, you know, we were talking about the fact that, you know, they were going to come on a certain day, Sunday night, you know, and, and, and so, you know, they kind of kept us, well, we're driving down the road 100 miles an hour trying to get to Midland, Texas, that's what they do. But anyway, you know, and um, they got to the plane, then they texted us, said, we're in Houston. So there's this expectancy, you know, we're in Houston, you know, our plane's getting, we're boarding, you know, see you in a minute, you know, and uh, we'll be there at 10 o'clock. And so we're sitting in that parking uh, place, you know, many of you maybe have used this cell, cell parking lot, you know what that is? That's where you sit there and wait for them to call you so that you can actually go get them. You know, I took a great nap. It was awesome. But anyway, you know, but when, but there they are, they're on the curb and you're so excited because there's this promise that's been made, we're coming to see you. You know, our little granddaughter, Lily, I mean, when, when she finds out that she's going to, to uh, uh, Grandma and Papa's house, I mean, she is animated. Hallelujah. Because it's a good time at, at, at uh, Papa and Grandma's house, you know. Uh, we, you know, they, she can do whatever she wants. She can do no harm. Amen. Or wrong, for that matter. Are you listening to me? Well, you get excited too. Praise God. And we're in this season of great, wonderful promise, you guys. I mean, I want your hearts to be enriched with, with what it is that he has said, not what the world's saying. Don't let him steal your joy, man. Turn your eyes on him. Focus on what it is that God is, has, has done and what it is that, I mean, you know, <laughs> um, the Bible promised a first coming. And guess what? He showed up. Historically, you can prove Jesus came. Now, you may not believe he's the Messiah, but he showed up. Well, thank God he was the Son of God, just as the Scriptures say. The Bible promised the indwelling of his presence. Many of you that have been born again, you know the fulfillment of what it is that he said that he was going to do. The Bible promises a second coming. Are you listening to me? And it promises, the Bible promises a new heaven and a new earth. So if you're concerned about global warming and all of those kinds of things, you can relax because he's going to do a remake. Are you listening to me? And he'll do it well. Praise God. But it's the desire of our Father that you and I, to try to bring this to a close this morning, is that we live with a fresh, expectant faith. That we believe that he is 
that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Not to draw back into our old ways and our carnal ways and our, you know, kind of living, you know, where we're cynical or where we're, you know, feeling as though, you know, nobody cares about us or, you know, we're critical. You know, God, there's no place for that in our lives, you guys. I mean, nobody's perfect. Are you listening to me? So let's just not even go there. Hallelujah, let's get happy. You say, can you do that? Absolutely, you could do that. It's your choice. And God wants you to do that, amen? Amen. Glory to God. Again, I quoted this scripture, you know, earlier, that we're not to cast away our confidence because it has an incredible, incredible great reward. But you have to have need of endurance or patience in that after you have done the will of God, Hebrews 10 and 35, you might receive, everybody say receive. Receive Receive his promise, hallelujah. And you know, I mentioned this scripture last week, but in Luke chapter 18, it said that men ought always to pray not to faint, lose heart, and give up. But that at the end of it, he said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, is he gonna find faith in the earth? Dear friends, he's gonna find it here. He's going to find it in this house. He's going to find it in your life. And you're going to be standing there going, you know what? We've been expecting your coming. Hallelujah. And we're going to look to the one, praise God, that's able to deliver us and to keep us. Because he will. I mean, in grand kinds of style. I remember we had a recession years ago back in the 80s. And we were, I mean, we were trying to get this building done and everything like that. So, so we're plowing, you know, uh, the wrong way. We're, we're, we're going uphill. Because everything in the economy was saying that there's no money, that we can't do this and we can't do that and all of these things. And here we are, praise God, trying to finish a building. And I remember going up to the owner of the hardware, you know, and we were talking about it. And, and uh, somehow or another, we we got talking about the conversation, you know, and, and, uh, he, and I says, you know, uh, how's everything going? He says, well, I'm sure glad you're here. And I said, why is that? He says, because you guys are the only one that are doing anything. Because we was up there buying stuff, praise God, and building materials and all kind of whatever. Hallelujah. You know, because God can do exceedingly abundantly beyond everything that you can even ask or think because of the power of God that is within us. Are you with me? I mean, he can do it. You know, again, he told Isaac, he said, no, stay here and, and dwell in the land and I'll take care of you. And so the Bible says that Isaac sowed in famine and reaped a hundredfold. So I tell you what, there's stuff that can be going on in your life where you're getting blessed, nobody else is. And then they can ask you, what is going on? And you get to tell them. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? So it's important for us, praise God, to keep our heads screwed on straight. I want to encourage you. I mean, that's my whole intent, is to encourage you in your faith. Let's draw nigh to him. And let's draw nigh to the plan that he has for us. I'll ask you an important question. I'll read some scriptures to you, and then uh, we'll be finished. But notice with me, if you would, in Titus chapter 2. If you want to turn there, you're welcome to do so. The Bible says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. And we know that to be Jesus teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. What's the next words? 
Or you have them there? There it is. Those the next two words. What's that? Yeah. Looking for. Looking for. I want to ask you this morning, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for doom and gloom, man. Didn't you just watch the news last night? Didn't you hear what they were saying? Well, I can tell you right now, you're looking at the wrong thing. You know? I mean, many of you as parents, you're dealing with all these school situations and all of these different kinds of things, you know? And, and again, they can be nearly stifling, you know? And so, so much of the confusion. I mean, you know, the reality is, is they, there's so much that they don't have a clue about. It's like they're just, you know, let's try this or try that or try whatever. But thank God there's a better place to fix your gaze. Notice what it says again in this 13th verse. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar or purchased people, zealous of good works. These things speak, exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Another place in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. And so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him. Everybody say that. Look for him. Let the rest of you say, look for him. Try it one more time. Look for him. What are we looking for? I tell you, I'm looking for a risen Savior. That while we yet wait, praise God, he provides for everything that we need. And when he gets here, praise God, we're going to go to the door of our life and say, we've been expecting you. Hallelujah. And then we can rejoice in the plan and the purpose that he has for us, praise God, moving forward. He wants you to believe. Everybody say, I believe. Praise God, don't let about a bunch of doubters and unbelieving, fault-finding outfits spoil your heart, spoil your faith, spoil your believing. There's so much negative that goes around everywhere. Man, I'm telling you what, praise God, you just answer it with the voice of triumph. Answer it with the voice of victory. Answer it with the voice of faith. Hallelujah. Because you say, well, you know, you might feel that way, but I tell you what, I believe God's got a great plan for us. Boy, won't that smack in the face of so much of what it is that we see and hear today. You know, the Bible says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Everybody say, I believe again. Yeah, I tell you what, if you believe, you'll be excited. You'll be surprised. You might be, I don't know what, to find out, you know what, life's pretty good when you believe the Bible. Are you listening to me? Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Well, I got to say that if people aren't filled with joy and peace, then maybe there's not much faith there. And it goes on to say then that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. When John, you know, you, write, you read, and read the, read the Gospel of John for me. Will you do that? A little devotional assignment here. Read the Gospel. Because the theme of, of John's Gospel is believe. Everywhere in it, he's talking about believing, 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 believing. And in one place... He wrote in John chapter 20 and verse 30, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, 
but these are written that you might, what? Believe. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. There's one place, and I'm trying to close. I think I've tooted my horn a couple times, so we're getting ready to stop. There's a place when Jesus was talking with his disciples, and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. My father's house, there's many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you to myself. And they were going down through all of this and so on and so forth, you know, and finally Philip just said, well, you know, Jesus, just show us the Father. And he said, have I been so long with you that you've not known me? He said, listen, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this is the interesting thing. I almost hear the the emotional dynamic of of his statement. I gotta go over here and talk to these people. Um, Maybe I'll try to get it to you too. Um, the, The dynamic of the emotion in which he makes his statement in John chapter 14 and verse uh, 11. He said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe me for the work's sake. How many of you know God wants, he, he, I wouldn't say he pleads with you, I wouldn't say necessarily begs you, but I tell you what, he urges you to believe him in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of whatever it is that you're facing, he's saying, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Praise God, I tell you what, it's time to believe. Amen? It's time to stop wondering. It's time to stop doubting. It's time to stop hesitating. It's time to believe. Now you remember the story when the angel came to Mary and said, you're gonna be the mother of the Christ. And he, in the angel's uh, comments and the things that he said to them, he's, uh, or to her, I should say, he said, your cousin Elizabeth is six months with child. Well, when this was all done, Mary said, be it unto me, what? According to your word. I tell you what, praise God, you get up in the morning, you just say, Father, be it unto me, according to your word, your plan, what it is that you have for me. She went and visited that that cousin of hers. The Bible says that when she walked in the door and the baby heard her voice, that it leaped within Elizabeth's womb. Bam! You know, some kind of like ninja thing or whatever, I don't know. You know? Leaped within her womb. And the Bible says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and began to prophesy with a loud voice. And there are a lot of things that she said, but at the end it says, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things that were spoken unto her. Well, dear friend, I'm telling you what, if you want to believe the Bible and the promises that are in it, there'll be a performance of those things occur within your life as well. Jesus went to a cross and he died for the sins of the world. He shed his blood and he gave his life so that you and I could be here today, that we could participate together in what it is that he has done for us. 
And so as we participate in this communion this morning, I want you to think about what it is that God has done. And not only that, but you just say within your heart, God, I'm a believer. I'm a believer, not a doubter. And that I trust in you. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Father, today, thank you so much for your grace and your blessing within our lives. God, help us to fix our gaze upon the one who purchased us with his own blood, but not only that, but to believe in what it is that he's promised for us. Father, I thank you for keeping the church in peace. I thank you, Father God, for sustaining her with joy. I thank you that that joy becomes our strength, that, Father, we live in the hope and in the promise of all it is that you've done for us. Father, we're so grateful, so grateful for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, that through his poverty, Father, we could be rich. And Father, not just rich materially, but Father, to be rich where our lives are concerned. The fullness of all it is, Father, that you've ordained. Thank you for that, Father. God, I pray for those that are here within the sound of my voice this morning that maybe are somehow discouraged or dismayed and Father, somehow they've just lost their hope. Let this word be a fresh word to them, Father. May it become something that causes expectant faith to rise up within them. Father, let it take hold and grip them, and may they embrace it as well and never let go. I thank you, Father, for every promise that you've made to us. I thank you for your goodness and for your mercy in every life. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one looking around. If you happen to be here this morning, and maybe perhaps you're watching online, but you've never asked Christ to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. I want to give you that opportunity. Because you know, dear friend, there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun, and yes, Jesus is coming again. And so there is this opportunity that he affords all of us as a people, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord can be saved. So if you're either here in this auditorium or maybe you're watching you know, by internet and you've never asked Christ to be the Lord of your life, you know, now is the opportunity and the time that that can occur, that can happen. It's a decision you make, and it's something so simple that can be done if you'll simply give your heart to Him. So while every head's bowed, eyes closed, if there's anyone here within the sound of my voice in this congregation, you never ask Christ to come into your heart, but you say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I have an interest in your prayer. I want to know Jesus. Is there anyone here today? May I see your hand? Praise God. For those of you that are uh, watching by internet, I want to pray this prayer as a congregation for those who may be out there watching this that do want to make this decision. And just follow me in this prayer, if you would, please. Heavenly Father, would you do this for me? Go ahead. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart be the Lord of my life. And I thank you for the salvation that you made possible for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.